One of my goals with the Secret Podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, hey, what do you think about the disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the earth? But you can wear one of our Disclosure Now t-shirts and get people's attention. Start the conversation or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab, and become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Where have I been, and why have I been so silent over the past few weeks? Hello, Truth Seekers. Dennis Nappy II with Sixth Sense Media. I've got a powerful show of... I'm everywhere. A ton of information that I that I need to get out to all of you just about the current state of affairs and, and my take on things and the analysis that I've been doing and things that I've been working on. Over the past few weeks, honestly, I did have a lot of life events going on. Uh, some good stuff. Celebrated a milestone birthday and that took up a couple of weekends actually, which was which was a lot of fun. And uh, I started a new job, which has been sucking up a lot of time. But honestly, I don't know that I would have come on the air Regardless, because you just, I just reached a point, and as many of you, we this is part of the process of growth. Sometimes you just need to step back and let things process. The other piece that I'm facing is there are a lot of changes, a lot of changes coming to our country in the United States and coming to the world. And I've been analyzing a lot of those changes with the uh, the great crypto viewing team where we use not just remote viewers but also detailed analysis contacts um, you know in various industries to compile a picture of some of the changes that are coming to the economy and how that's going to impact the world so i'm going to reference some of that tonight as well and i, I want to direct you to the crypto viewing page at patreon.com slash crypto viewing and, and i plug it because there's a lot of information to be had uh, by by watching that and what's going on. And I I believe, I know that by following the information coming out from the crypto team, you'll be better prepared, even if it's just mentally prepared, to handle the changes that are coming. Now, the other reason why I've been so quiet over the past few weeks, I'm not even on social media really, um, is because... I'm 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 having a tough time delivering information without coming off scary. So I really needed to sit and process things for a while um, to determine what I want to say and, and how I want to say it. Because number one, change is scary. That doesn't make it all bad. It can just be scary. Now there is some bad stuff in there, in my opinion, but. Um, there's also things that I think we can really use to our benefit. So I, I try very hard not to be a show that is just going to scare you and to be, you know, fear-mongering disaster porn. With that being said, some of those subjects I think are very relevant. So I'm going to go through just a bunch of different news stories that I've been pulling uh, a little bit of UFO, a little bit of economy stuff, a lot of AI and tech stuff that I'm seeing also. But, you know, this, this is interesting. This, was, this has been ongoing in California right now. This is an article I pulled three days ago, but this was P. 
PG&E, they cut power for hundreds of thousands in Northern California. I'm pulling this from CNN. If you haven't tracked this, uh, listen to this. In an attempt to avoid sparking a wildfire, California's largest utili- utility uh, intentionally cut power to hundreds of thousands of customers Wednesday, and power isn't likely to be restored for days, the company said. Pacific Gas and Electric started the shutoff early Wednesday, leaving parts of 22 counties, including northern portions of the San Francisco Bay Area, in the dark. PG&E shut down for about 500,000 customers in Northern California early Wednesday, but was able to restore it for about 44,000 during the day, the company said at a press conference. An additional 250,000 customers may lose power later Wednesday. This is a dated article. Um, But as you can see, they were cutting it off for probably close to a million people. It affected businesses. It affected infrastructure. Um, everything. This was this was a big deal. Now, why am I sharing this story? This is a sample of. I don't know if that's the real reason because of the wildfires. I don't know if this was a test. And yes, this is my conspiracy brain running. But this is how some of these things work. Now, most of us now have smart meters on our home. What does that mean? They don't need to physically come to my house to disconnect the power. Power can be shut off because of a perceived threat or a manufactured threat that may be out there. Now, there are some fires out there in California. I saw they found like a burning trash truck that sparked the fire. Again, that's suspect to me as well. Now, I know two years ago, the burn patterns, if you go on YouTube, you watch the videos of this. The burn patterns were very weird of the things that were getting burned. There There were... streets where the houses were burned but the trees in the yard and the grass were untouched so there's some theories out there was this some kind of weapon now i did a a friend of mine just sent me um a youtube video and it was a woman from northern california and she was complaining about these things being shut down and disinformation coming out there and screaming about uh metal particulates in the air that are highly combustible and she's saying, you know, we're being set up just like two years ago. And she was before like their board, their board meeting. Um, so again, I don't know. I don't have the whole context on that. But is there something more going on? It's interesting. Now, there have been some rumors floating around that, well, number one, we're dealing with President Trump and uh, these impeachment talks, these impeachment scares. Um, you know, because he was asking Ukraine to look into the Bidens. Now, I haven't studied this thoroughly, but my initial take on this, that's that's how Intel works sometimes. So I, I, I think that the other side is taking advantage of a situation. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm pro-Trump, and maybe I don't know the story well enough, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it sounds to me like they're taking advantage of something that I'm sure all presidents do. Um, if you, that, I mean, that's counterintelligence. You suspect somebody's involved in something and you have a source that happens to work for another country. You're still going to use that source to gather the information that you need, especially if you suspect that your own team is compromised. So there's a lot of big things going on. There's talks of impeachment. Trump made a comment about, well, if I get impeached, number one, the economy will fail. Number two, we'll end up in civil war, which is a very concerning thing to hear coming from your president. And I think that speaks to his narcissism. But does that mean that he's necessarily wrong? Will we end up in civil war? I don't know. But I remember the last election was an absolute disaster. And I remember being very afraid after that last election that we would end up in some kind of civil conflict so tied into this trump impeachment and to these power outages there were some things floating around about the marine reserve component being activated for civil event civil defense and people were saying the marines are active the marines are active this is coming trump's getting impeached and this is an example in my opinion of how We need to make sure we're smart consumers of information for when things start coming out. There was something that was put out, I'm looking at marines.mil, that was put out on December 3rd, 2019, titled, Manpower Guidance for Activation and Deactivation of Reserve Component Marines Ordered to Active Duty 
in support of defense support of a civil authority or of civil authorities. What does that mean? This is guidance for manpower for how how they're going to how they are going to administrate the Marines if they get activated to support civil authorities, governors, mayors, police departments, um, local governments. That so this is the doctrine that's going to define how they are going to function. What this is not, if you've come across this, I want to be quite clear. This is not an order saying, Marines, you have been activated. You are now going to be standing alert for civil defense. That has not happened. Now, I've been out for, let's not talk about how long I've been out. I've been out for a while. So I'm sure a lot has changed, and I'm sure I've forgotten a whole lot. Based on that time stamp, that time distance I have, though, I can still understand some of what this is. Um, and in looking at this, what it has is, the it's a copy of the actual order here. It says, um, subject, manpower guidance for activation and deactivation of a reserve component Marines order to active duty in support of defense support of civil authorities. Then, underneath, it's got a whole bunch of uh, letters and hashtag, or uh, letters and slash marks and dates and what it's saying here is REF, reference, slash, A, meaning reference A, slash, doc, meaning refer to document, and then PPO, I'm not sure what that is, but 15 May 2019. So there's a reference from some kind of document from May 15, 2019. Reference B, document, Title 10, USC, which means United States Code. That's the law. And they're looking at 31 December 2011, reference. It's title reference C document title 42 US code 1 April 2013 reference D document SecDef so the Secretary of Defense 7 March 2013 then they have Secretary of Navy 2012 uh, and it goes on with a bunch of dates and then you get to reference J joint travel regulations reference K doc MRA and it goes it goes on and on and on what these are are points of reference points of research for um where are we at here for commanders to to understand the administration the rules the regulations of what goes into activating a marine reserve unit and it breaks it down underneath the list of everything then it says narrative or n-a-r-r slash reference a is uh, MCO 3440.7C, Marine Corps Roles and Responsibilities in Defense Support of Civil Authorities. Reference B is Title 10 U.S. Code, Army Reserve, Navy Reserve, Marine Corps Reserve, and Air Force Reserve, Order to Active Duty to Provide Assistance in Response to a Major Disaster or Emergency. Reference C is the Robert T. Stafford Disaster Relief and Emergency Assistance Act, Public Law 93-288, as amended, Title 42 U.S. Code, Chapter 68. And it goes on and on and on and explains what every one of those is. And again, it looks at, and it goes on, but nothing in here, nothing in here says the Marines have been activated in support of civil defense. I want to be quite clear about that, that we're not panicking over that. However... I do think it's interesting that this just came out. This date was signed 10-3-2019, and this is where my separation from the military, my lack of knowing current military policy and procedure, there may be changes in here, things that are different uh, in ways that they're going to respond. So I don't, I haven't had a chance to go through all of that yet, but I want to at least address the rumor mill we don't need to panic right now. The Marines have not been activated to take up post. But that doesn't mean they can't be, according to this. Now, I, I always thought that was a National Guard issue, but they have orders here. They have doctrine here saying the federal troops can be activated in support of civil defense. Emergency or natural disaster. Now, what is an emergency? Emergency could be any number of things. Emergency could be what's going on in Hong Kong right now. It could be the economy collapses and people go crazy trying to raid banks and get money. It could be uh, President Trump gets impeached and you have one side riding in the streets against the other side. It's any number of things. Again, I don't want that to scare you. I hope that this alleviates some of those scares. But be mindful that maybe this is a possibility. And if something happens, 
then maybe in your planning and preparation, start planning for the possibility that there may be troops. And if troops come on, if martial law gets called, there's going to be things like a curfew. So in your plans, in your preps, you need to be planning to moving during authorized times. Do you have all your documents in order in case you need to travel? Driver, updated driver's license in, in accordance with ID 2020. Is that ready to go? Do you have birth certificates, marriage licenses, social security cards? Do you have copies of all your insurance policies? Everything, if you, for whatever reason, you have to move. That's just good planning and preparation. All right. Uh, real quick, there's an article from marketwatch.com. Expert who called the 2008 crisis says repeat of December meltdown is inevitable. We're talking about a financial meltdown here. Now, there is a lot of um, good sources out there, and they're calling for our economy can cannot be sustained. It's a matter of time. I don't know. I don't have information on what the change is going to be. Uh, that's why I direct you to the crypto viewing team to check out the work that they're doing. Now, the team just did the world events. At the end of September, they did what's called, we do it every month. We do what's called world events. And the viewers will predict what's going to happen in the upcoming month. Now, what we're finding is their predictions done in, done in the previous month have about a 90-day window. It's not always within the next 30 days. That's just the way remote viewing works. Um, or we haven't targeted, figured it out, that, you know, the, the key to targeting to keep it within a 30-day window. Sometimes it's beyond. It could be for a thousand reasons. But anyway, um, once again, we looked at it, and the track record is amazing of the hits that we're getting. For example, last month, Edward Reardon pictured, uh, depicted president bill clinton he wrote bill clinton health issues and he drew this picture of uh an incredibly skinny bill clinton and then two weeks later after he did the session one of the tabloids comes out with his heart i mean it was almost an identical sketch from what edward drew to what he saw of, of president clinton former president clinton um so they're seeing things that are that are coming into the future now I'm going to give a teaser here, um, and I'm releasing this because I saw Bix Weir release this on his page as well. Dick forwarded that to him, according to Bix. Um, Dick got a date, October 14th, which is tomorrow. Right now, it's October 13th, and it was just a, he drew faces of people covering their mouths. We don't know what that means. Um, I don't know if that's tied to the economy or not, but... I would pay attention to tomorrow. Watch the news tomorrow and see. And if something happens tomorrow, I'm going to again encourage you if you want to try to get in front of some of these changes so you can thrive instead of just reacting, then I recommend checking out uh, patreon.com slash crypto viewing. Or if you just want some background information, cryptoviewing.com. And then track down Dick Allgaier's YouTube page, which is linked through my content as well. Because Dick has a lot of uh, information on there as well. And he just scratches the surface on his YouTube page. All right. So there, I covered some of that heavy stuff right now. And there, there's a lot more. But let's jump into a few UFO things. Because this came... Now, this is from AmericanMilitaryNews.com. Navy pilot claims dark mass came up from ocean depths and swallowed a torpedo. Retired U.S. Navy pilot commander David Fravor claimed on October 5th, now Fravor is the guy from the Nimitz UFO, which was the first story that broke through to the stars, that a mystery dark mass emerged from the ocean depths and swallowed a torpedo hole. Fravor, who has publicly stated his account of UFO sightings, said on Joe Rogan's popular podcast that a pilot had a similar experience in the late 1990s off the coast of Puerto Rico. Fravor begins his story around 2.30. Oh, I'm sorry, telling you where to find it. So I'll have the link to this, and you can listen to Fravor's account um, on the Joe Rogan experience here. He says they're 50 feet uh, above the water. He sees this kind of dark mass coming up from the depths, he said, as transcribed by the Daily Star. As they hoist the BQM torpedo up, he's looking at this thing going, what the hell is that? And then it just goes back down underwater. Once they pull the kid and the BQM out of the water, this object descends back into the depths. While the other pilot thought the incident was strange, indicating some skepticism, the same thing happened a few months later, Fravor claimed. 
He's out picking up a torpedo. They hook the drive the diver up on the winch, and as they're lowering him down, he sees this big mass, Fravor said. He goes, it's not a submarine. He's seen submarines before. Once you've seen a submarine, you can't confuse it with something else. This big object, kind of circular, is coming up from the depths, and he starts screaming through his intercom system to tell them to pull the diver up, and the diver's only a few feet from the water, he added. They reverse the winch, and the diver's thinking, what the hell's going on? All of a sudden, he said, the torpedo just got sucked down underwater, and the object just descended back into the depths. Favor said they never recovered the torpedo, and the helicopter pilot was adamant that the torpedo didn't sink, as it literally looked like it got sucked down. All right, so what do we have? We have some kind of crazy technology, I say crazy, of, of either a different civilization's technology or some black project technology. And for some reason, they're taking torpedoes. And these accounts, again, they're just scratching the surface from what we're getting out of the Navy. Now, this is interesting. This is coming from NPR. This is dated October 8th, 2019. Title, Not One Drop of Blood, Cattle Mysteriously Mutilated in Oregon. And it goes on to talk about, I'm looking at a picture of it. This cattle looks like it's literally just skin and bones. Like if you were to take a plastic water bottle and squeeze all the water out of it, and all that's left is the shell of the bottle, this this cattle, it's just bones on skin. There's no, it has no shape. It looks like an old blanket thrown on the ground with a cow's head. So again, the, the genitals were removed with very precise cutting techniques. Does this sound familiar? Any UFO researcher can look back to the work of, this is what Linda Moulton Howe hung her hat on back when she first got started with this. Why, my question is, why is this being put on a site like NPR? NPR is a pretty credible site. Um, so to put a story like this, and it's not written in a way that, well, I mean, they talk theories abound, but it's not written in a way that's saying this didn't happen, this is your imagination. Now, what they didn't reference, and I'm surprised that there was no reference of Linda Howe's research on this because she was the expert on this stuff. So I'm curious, I'm wondering behind the scenes if there's more going on or if they, if the investigating authorities eventually got in touch with her. I haven't checked her site because this is one among dozens of stories I've come across that... Um, we just, uh, you know, to see if she's addressing this as well. I'm sure it's on her radar. I'm sure somebody sent that to her, but I don't know for sure. All right. Time to get weird here. Uh, well, I'd say weird, but this is becoming the new norm. Here we go. This is from the epictimes.com. Beijing launches new rule. Residents must pass facial recognition test to surf the internet. The Chinese regime has announced a new rule which requires residents to pass a facial recognition test in order to apply for an internet connection via smartphone or computer. The rule will be implemented from December 1st, 2019. In addition, no cell phone or landline number can be transferred to another person privately. This is an upgraded restriction after the Chinese Ministry of Industry and Information Technology required that all applicants to present a valid ID and personal information to register for a cell phone or landline since January 2015. So, if this was in the U.S., you wouldn't be able to buy a burner phone. You couldn't buy your throwaway. They are now working in Intel. You know, you get access to phone records, and you see all these different phone numbers and how they connect to each other and all the calls that are being made. And this is how you're able to tell who's talking to one another, who's connected to one another. Um, you know, you put this on this nice big uh, graphic so you can actually see the lines and the link, and you can label the phones as to who they belong to and whatever. You, have an, you would get anonymous numbers in there and you could say, well, there's a connection between this phone and this phone. And if you ever grab the guy who had that phone and you can identify that number, that's a huge piece you're filling in because now you're proving everybody he's talking to. But if you never grab the person, you don't know whose phone that is, you're stuck with guessing. And there's other things you could do to try to figure it out. But my point being, what China's doing now from an, from an intelligence collection standpoint there's no guesswork. You are not, it is illegal for you to be on the internet uh, or, or having a cell phone without the phone, the technology first identifying you. Not only now by purchasing a phone, you had to have ID, but now you need to check in with facial recognition. So there's no denying who's on that phone. 
what do you now now let's look at the benefit and let's look let's imagine this came to the united states what would they say terrorists are communicating with cell phones and the only way we can do this is if we ensure that we're taking pictures with our phones, uh, allowing ourselves, our faces to be scanned so we can be sure who every person is, and this will allow us to put an end to terrorism once and for all. Does that line sound familiar? And you're gonna get all the people that say, well, I got nothing to hide, I'm not doing anything wrong, so I don't really mind if it takes a picture of my face before I get on the internet. You're giving up your privacy and you're allowing a case to be built against you for crimes that aren't even crimes yet. That's, that's my biggest concern. And my biggest fear is that there's things we can't even anticipate yet that we're already lumped into those categories that without even being aware, and there's going to be nowhere we can go to hide. So, and I, I put this out here with the China stuff because we know they're developing the social credit system in Silicon Valley. It probably won't look like China's. That doesn't mean we won't have our own Americanized version of it. And here's the thing with, you know, being in the United States is that we have this illusion of freedom and we, we buy into it all the time, even when our, our rights, because what we are here in the United States right now is we are a frog in a pot of warm water on the stove and it's gradually getting hotter. And if you, the, the analogy is you put a frog in boiling water, it jumps right out or it dies. You put a frog in warm water and you gradually increase the temperature and the frog will not get out and it will just cook to death. It'll allow itself to die. We are in that state right now, unless you are aware of these things going on. Now, I know it sounds heavy, I know I've had, I've tried talking to people close to me that have shut me down. I'm not worrying about that because it, it's out of their comfort zone. I get, and I'm not pushing it. I'm not, I'm not pushing, I mean, make that clear. And I don't think that we should, because in the end, I think you're just going to make people mad or make yourself a target. If people are willing to listen to this information, have the conversation. If not, don't invest the energy into it. So, We've got that. Let, let me move on now. I've got so many things I want to get to. Now, listen to this. Let's talk about, I've been tracking AI. I've been tracking this tech. We know that we're merging into, they're trying to merge us with machines. They're trying to merge our minds with machines. So let's see here. Let's start with, before we do that, I got one more facial recognition thing. Perfect segue. We just did China with their facial recognition to use their uh, their phone. Here's a CNN travel article. How facial recognition is taking over airports. Uh, instead of scanning her boarding pass, the airport gate scanned her face. In April 2019, travel Mackenzie Fegan was left surprised and confused when she boarded a JetBlue flight from the United States to Mexico without handing over her passport or travel documents. There were plastic barricades across the front of each lane. I took my, I looked to my right and the gate opens. She tells CNN Travel, I was like, what just happened? There was no boarding pass scan, nothing like that. Before she'd even sat down on her airplane seat, Fagan, a New York-based journalist, fired off a tweet to JetBlue asking the airline to explain the process. Did facial recognition replace boarding planes, unbeknownst to me? Did I consent to this? She wrote, clicking send. About 10, ten minutes later, Fagan received a ply. You're able to opt out of this procedure, Mackenzie. Sorry if this made you feel uncomfortable, read the response. Implicit in the tweet was the answer that yes, on some JetBlue flights, facial recognition and biometric technology is used, seemingly to speed up boarding and sift out security threats. Fegan's initial tweet received over 8,500 likes, sparking a thread where passengers voiced privacy concerns, blah, 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 blah. Okay, yes, we do have privacy concerns, but this is what we call the, you know, the, the first soft rollout of this. Eventually, people will get used to it. This is going to become a natural part of our society. You're going to have the option, facial recognition to open your car door, facial recognition to walk into your home, facial recognition, again, to access your cell phone. Um, you know, you have this in the airports. Uh, the masses are just going to adopt it. I don't see this. I don't see this going away. I don't see people protesting in the streets about this. Why? Because it makes life easy and convenient. Does that mean it's in your best interest? 
I mean, think about it. I mean, have you seen the videos, the documentaries of, of China and the way they're using facial recognition? They'll be at a concert with thousands of people and the police officers are wearing glasses and they're scanning the crowd and they're getting the stats on every single person in that crowd. That's where you, you thought what Snowden revealed with the surveillance state was bad. It's getting worse now. Let's talk about, uh, you know, making these people cybernetic organisms. Now, first and foremost, I'm trying to prevent, prevent all sides of this. There's going to be some benefits to this ro the robotics coming on. This article is uh, coming out of London. Paralyzed man walks again with brain-controlled exoskeleton. This is from uh, Thomson Reuters Foundation News, news.trust.org by Reuters. Uh, a man paralyzed from the shoulders down has been able to walk using a pioneering four-limb robotic system or exoskeleton that is commanded and controlled by signals from his brain. With a ceiling-mounted harness for balance, the 28-year-old tetraplegic patient used a system of sensors implanted near his brain to send messages to move all four of his paralyzed limbs after a two-year-long trial with the whole-body exoskeleton. So what they did, they called a, uh, the first semi-invasive wireless brain computer system designed to activate all four limbs. Uh, so they're implanting stuff. It's not in the brain. It's underneath the skin, though. They have these sensors that they're implanting. So... My point is these sensors are getting smaller um, and we, they're, we're seeing more and more implantables. Now, you look at something like this and you're like, dude, a guy that couldn't walk or move his arms has been given that gift again. And yes, absolutely. And it's easy if you're not if you're not wheelchair or bed bound or you don't know anybody that is. It's easy to say, yeah, big deal. Look how this is going to be used for something bad. But when somebody you love is faced with this kind of challenge in life, you'd be surprised at what you're willing to accept to give them a sense of normalcy. And I think that this is a wonderful use of technology. I, I honestly do. I think it's, it's a great gift you can give people. But we need to proceed with caution. And I don't know that we can. I don't know that this technology can be developed without the scary stuff being developed as well. I don't have an answer for that right now. Speaking of scary stuff, this is from CNBC.com. Former Google CEO Eric Schmidt believes biology is the next frontier in community. I mean, in computing. Let me say that again. Former CEO Eric Schmidt believes biology is the next frontier in computing. He says biology is in a golden period, making it perfect for tech. Schmidt said data from human eyes will generate new algorithms. He also said computing and biology need each other now more than ever. So this isn't some guy in his basement. This is an executive from Google. If he's saying this is where they're going, they're already there if they're on their way there if they're not there already. So it's the article. I'll read some of it. Brain inserts and carbon-absorbing bacteria aren't just the fantasies of Silicon Valley's richest executives. They're also part of a larger hope to advance artificial intelligence and computing efforts. Biology will undoubtedly fuel computing in coming years, former Google CEO and current technical advisor Eric Schmidt said at a conference called SynBioBeta in San Francisco Monday. Taking biology, which I'd always viewed as squishy and analog, and turning it into something that can be digitally manipulated is an enormous accelerator. Taking biology and digitally manipulating it. Think about that. Digitally manipulating biology. Now, I've said this years ago. Biology is already an advanced form of technology, and I think they're kind of reinventing the re wheel and the new tech is connecting with the old tech and my current understanding of things is that as humans we are uh, an, an advanced form of already cybernetic organism uh, and i and and that i think would explain our ability to perceive information psychically through things like remote viewing and, and telepathy and out-of-body experience and all that stuff if you look at it as we're simple simply nodes connected to a larger hive mind that dis disseminates information to us um i don't know if that's bad or that's good i think that's just a part of who we are now i know that if you're very religious that's a tough thing to hear now what i'm not saying is and, and i'm not going to preach 
this level of spirituality, but I'm not saying anything about the belief or not unbelief in God or a higher power. Um, I don't know where that falls in, uh, because even at the end of the day, if if what we currently perceive as God is really an advanced form of AI, there is still we still need to find the source of the initial creative spark. Where does that come from? I have my own thoughts and feelings on it. That's a discussion for another show. But anyway, uh, people from Google now are looking to uh, create technology through biology. Here we go. Let's read a little bit more of this article. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg this year announced he and his wife Priscilla Chan will donate $68 million to support the mapping of all the cells in the human body. Facebook also recently acquired a company called Control Labs that lets you control computers with your mind. And Neuralink, a startup once backed by Elon Musk, announced its brain computer will start trials on humans next year. And that's a scary interview when you hear Elon Musk talk about the success of that company. So you've got Google trying to map human cells. You've got Facebook donating money to map every cell in the human body. You've got Facebook acquiring... Now, you know what happens when Facebook acquires some of these companies? They blow up. So you're going to be able to control computers with your mind. Now, is that really with your mind? Are you going to have to wear... And maybe this is how it's going to start out. It's going to come out with a headband where it's got sensors on it and you're going to be able to wear the the headband and then you're going to be able to see different things with your mind. I suspect that if there's going to be a soft rollout, that's how it will be. Um, I think they're well beyond that. But Facebook also has... Let me pull up my other notes here. Um, Facebook also has... A virtual space. Uh, let me pull this up on, on Yahoo. Facebook unveils virtual social sp- social space for its Oculus users. This is a little bit older, from September 25th. San Francisco. Uh, Facebook said Wednesday that it will launch a virtual social community where users of its Oculus headgear can explore new places and create their own new experiences. The Horizon Virtual World, set for a beta launch in 2020, represents a new initiative for the Oculus Virtual Reality Unit of the leading social network. Oculus users, users will be able to choose an avatar and interact with others in the virtual society social community, Facebook said, as it opened its Oculus Connect 6 conference. Our goal is to put people at the center of computing, not just with great hardware, but with amazing software experiences as well. To put people at the center of computing. Merge that statement with, we're going to map every cell, and we're going to allow you to control computers with your mind, and we're eventually, and we're creating a virtual space. Right now, you're wearing goggles. We're going to get you used to interacting with a virtual space, but eventually, from whatever tech we're going to use, your mind's just going to put you right there, and you'll be able to control that software with your mind, because you're going to be plugged into the matrix. That's what we're looking at here. Now, please, correct me if you think I'm out of line here. If you think that what I'm putting together doesn't make sense, please let me know because this, I would love a different picture of this where I'm not going, oh my gosh. Now here's what's scary is that uh, it was Jeff Rents. If you listen to a couple of his shows talking about nanotechnology, what some of his guests are saying is that the nanotechnology is already out there and it's already in us. What does that mean? Now, I want to be clear and I want to be cautious. I'm, I'm talking off of memory here uh, and I don't have sources right now to give you. So let me be quite clear about that. But I am confident I can go find you some sources. I just, just didn't plan to bring the conversation here right now. But Jeff Rents is a good starting point that can give you some of these sources. But what they're saying is that the nanotech is already out there. And if that nanotechnology is already in us, maybe that's what 5G is about. Maybe 5G is going to activate that nanotechnology and instantly connect everybody, instantly give us mind control. Maybe this is how, when I first really started opening up on this journey, we're going back 10, 15 years right now, um, when I really started kind of getting public with stuff. It's when I started realizing I was getting downloads. 
but I also realized that some of my intuitive information felt like it was coming from, you, the information comes through different ways. And if you study the chakra systems, you know, you get some stuff from your gut, fight or flight stuff. You get some stuff from your heart center. You get some stuff from your head, from your third eye, from your crown chakra. There's different points of information coming to you in different ways. Well, what if some of this stuff is coming to us uh, from sources that are tied into the nanotechnology that maybe we've ingested through our food or through, I'm sorry, I'm shuffling through some papers because I just remembered something else I need to share with all of you, through our food or through the air that we're breathing with what's going on. All right. Dennis, you sound crazy. I, I know, right? Well, again, I got to give Jeff Renz credit for, for dropping this information. I got this off of his show. He had a guest on there, and they were talking about um, nanotechnology and computer brain interfaces, which is public. Google's working on it. Um, Neuralink with Elon Musk is working on it. I mean, the whole Facebook apparently now is working on stuff like that. Um, but he turned me on to a patent that I went and I looked up. Now, listen to this patent. It's United States Patent 6011991. And you can find this on the Patent Office's website. It's an official, it's a Gov, Gov website. Dated January 4th, 2000. So written not almost 20 years ago. This is the date of this. Here's what it's called. Communication system and method, including brave wa brainwave analysis and or use of brain activity. I'm going to read that again. Communication system and method, including brainwave analysis and or use of brain activity. Abstract. A system and method for enabling human beings to communicate by way of their monitored brain activity. The brain activity of an individual is monitored and transmitted to a remote location, example by satellite. At the remote location, the monitored brain activity is compared with pre-recorded normalized brain activity curves, waveforms, or patterns to determine if a match or a substantial match is found. If such a match is found, then the computer at the remote location determines that the individual is attempting to communicate the word, phrase, or thought corresponding to the matching stored normalized signal. Now this is 20 years ago where AI and machines didn't have the language and processing capabilities that they have today. But what this is training them to do, 20 years ago, and think about how technology improves exponentially, 20 years ago was to read your thoughts from a satellite by looking at brain waves. So, well, again, this is something I need to study a little bit more um, to see what their hardware is that they're using to put that out there. But this would be a perfect opportunity for nanotechnology. Now, I know that sounds crazy a little bit, but then you look at things like Morgellons disease and people who have that, and... Uh, where do I want to go with this? Is is that evidence of nanotechnology being in our bodies? Um, there was a fascinating conversation on higher side chats. I'm not ready to talk about it, but it touched on this in a very major way. The data that I've come across as well, looking at future stuff or, or using remote viewing, this was the first big conversation I had with Edward Reardon probably almost two years ago now. And again, I've talked about Edward's work time and again. If you haven't checked him out, ER Viewer on YouTube. Uh, he's one of our, our crypto viewing viewers as well. An incredibly gifted and talented uh, remote viewer. I remember speaking with him when we did Pi and just thinking to myself, he's like the modern day Edgar Casey. His method is different. It's more scientific, but the things that he's tapping into um, are incredible. And he, there's a show on this platform, I titled it Remote Viewing QAnon. Had nothing to do with what's public out there about Q. But what he looked at in his data was a, basically a secret organization that had been developing some kind of what, we, what he perceived as nanotechnology that was at one point in time in the near future disseminated amongst the people. And then all of a sudden a wave goes out and everybody changes. 
my interpretation, nanotech gets to us through the food and through the air, and then something goes online or a signal sent out and everybody's now connected to the net. They have inst instant access to information or maybe they get sucked right into the matrix and are pulled into what this Facebook Oculus community is trying to build. So we're looking at Edward Reardon's uh, QAnon data, which by itself sounds insane. But now you look at the road to that. You've got this patent that's 20 years old talking about brain to computer interface, read and write basically, um, satellites reading your brain. And now you have big time credible CEOs, people with Facebook uh, mapping cell, you know, Google and Facebook mapping biology and cells and, and connecting the mind to the cloud. So is this really that far fetched or is this happening? I'll leave that for you to decide. Now, am I still crazy? Well, let's look at this. This comes to us from the mirror. Terminally ill scientist is about to transform into world's first full cyborg. Dr. Pete, Peter Scott Morgan, 61, was diagnosed with motor neuron disease two years ago, but instead of accepting his fate, he decided to challenge what it meant to be human. Dr. Peter Scott Morgan was diagnosed. Let's move here. He said he wanted to push the boundaries of what science can achieve, so he decided to extend his life and become fully robotic, known as Peter 2.0. The world-renowned roboticist has already undergone a series of incredibly complex and risky operations during his journey. This has included developing a remarkably lifelike avatar of his face before he lost any muscle. The avatar is designed to respond using artificially intelligent body language, and he has also explored eye tracking technology to enable him to control multiple computers using only his eyes. Uh, and this week he announced the final procedure in his transition into a robot where he traded his voice for potentially decades of life. He underwent a laryngectomy, meaning he lost his physical voice, but in doing so he will avoid the added danger of saliva potentially entering his lungs due to his condition. Dr. Scott Morgan labeled this final procedure as the end of Peter 1.0 with a post this week on Twitter and wrote, this is my last post as Peter 1.0. Tomorrow, Thursday, 10.10, I trade my voice for potentially decades of life as we complete the final medical procedure for my transition to full cyborg. This month I was told statistically I would be dead. I'm not dying. I'm transforming. Oh, how I love science. Uh, the doctor has throughout his career been granted unparalleled confidential access to government organizations, banks, and major corporations. Now, it, the article doesn't say more about that, but if that all is in fact true, well, then you look at who's driving all of this. Well, who is perceived to be driving this, depends on which level you're at here, um, who's driving all of this then uh, yeah, maybe this guy, maybe this is part of the plan and he's going to be the, the test subject and he's volunteering to be this test subject because, well, he ben benefits from it because now he doesn't have to die. Uh, so I'll, I'll have this linked in the show notes as well. But, you know, lastly, I'm going to quote, he says, and when I say I'm, when I say cyborg, I don't just mean any old cyborg, you understand, but by far the most advanced human cybernetic organism ever created in 13.8 billion years. I'm scheduled to become the world's very first full cyborg. Now, I want to make a side note of my opinion here on that. I don't think he's the first cyborg. I just think he's the first in recorded history. Uh, obviously, I don't think he's considering things like the greys um, and, and even parts of human evolution, I think. But anyway, so that's where he's at. That That's where we're going. Now, there are some serious questions we need to ask ourselves, and, and, and I... I start this off in, in, in my book, in Food for the Archons, and, and I'm not giving a shameless plug here, but, you know, I, I say it in the first, let me pull it up here, in the beginning here, I'm just going to read this here. If you haven't read the book, I hope you check it out. Uh, All right. I've come to believe their intentions are detrimental to our potential, yet I am thankful for my encounters with them. For without them, I would not know them, and without knowing them, I would not question. It is our ability to question that drives this quest. 
because a question can force us to dissect even the most unsuspicious falsehood on a journey toward truth. It is through them that I have formulated my question of resistance, and it is through my resistance that I have developed more questions. So as I invite you on this journey through my experiences, I will pose a simple question for you to ponder as you read. Consider its value in understanding and the insight such an understanding can offer. Be aware, however, that searching for an answer to this question will most likely start an antagonizing reflection of self, society, humanity, and our greater purpose. Some of this information you uncover on this journey may be painful to bear and life-changing, but I implore you to push on, for to ignore the answer to this question is to live in ignorance of this threat. It is far older than the footprint of humanity and has been waiting, watching, and preying on us. Not knowing this threat leaves us defenseless against it and may very well cost us our lives and quite possibly our souls. Finding the answer to this question will result in our liberation from a cunning predator. So this question I pose is quite simple, yet massively complex. Use care in exploring it and take time to do so because it may just save your life and the lives of the ones you love. Who are we? And that is the big question. It seems so simple, but we have no idea who or what we are. And if we don't know that, and we don't know where we've come from, how can we properly plan a course for where we're going? Instead, that power has been given to whatever control force knows the full truth. And it's in a better position to plan a course ahead for us. So there's a lot to think about. And some of us, now I want to be the first to say, if I just let my imagination run, it sounds pretty cool to be able to go to any world I want to instantly by plugging into the matrix or plugging into the cloud or putting a device on my head. That sounds really cool. I can probably go in there. I could probably fly. I can probably, you know, do anything that I want. Learn anything that I want. I mean, that is a huge upsell. But I worry about what we're giving up. And I worry that we're giving something up that we don't even realize we have. And the film Invasion of the Body Snatchers is coming to mind over this with these nanoparticulates that may be in our brains already. I know that sounds crazy. I got to give that caveat because I feel crazy every time I say it. But we're being driven towards this. And, and to me, some of this comes back to the Roswell crash and to what Colonel Corso said about he suspects that these chips, these computer silicon based chips were intentionally seeded here. And we took the bait and we developed technology out of that. So what? We built this supercomputer. Did you ever see the movie Contact with Jodie Foster? They said it right there. They sent us these plans. What if we're building a Trojan horse? And once this object is completed, it will open the doorway for them to come in. Well, what if that is what we have created? We have created a network. We've created a, a virtual network that is now giving possibly an, an alien force, an invasive force, or just bad people full access to our minds and possibly beyond. And if we're making a decision to plug into a cloud, is our consciousness being transplanted into that cloud or is a copy of our consciousness being made? Either way, is that a part of our soul or our, is consciousness an equal, the same thing as our soul? And are they now gaining their own individual souls? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but again, you go back to the works of the late Carla Turner and Masquerade of Angels. Her last book, many believe, is the book that got her killed. I read this book. This book came out, I want to say, late 90s. And when I read this, I read this book 10 years ago, and I still don't feel we had the technological understanding the common vocabulary to process what she was saying but one of the parts of the book talked about a man who was abducted and his greatest fear was that they took his consciousness out of his body and put it in a black box and it was temporarily in a black box until they then reinserted that consciousness into 
another body. It looked like him, but he said this body was different. It was upgraded. It wasn't my body. Is that what we are? Is our consciousness just a form of software? These are things we need to consider when we're moving into this type of society. We don't really know who or what's behind it. And the potential for danger is there. Now, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they did, people didn't seem to care once because they said it's so great. And maybe it is so great. But maybe once you upload, maybe you're not the one that's there anymore saying this is so great. Now, you look at people who talk about reincarnation. Robert Morningsky is, is one of the big ones that comes to mind with this. He says reincarnation is a trap. It keeps us cycled here. It keeps us stuck in this world. Now, if you're uploading your mind to the cloud, your consciousness, are you now going to be stuck in this virtual world? Now, look, I know I've talked about this stuff before. I have to go off of my instincts on what I need to put out in the show. Um, there's so much that I, I want to cover. I'm almost out of time. I'm going to read you the headlines I've been pulling for the past week, and maybe you'll understand why, because uh, I don't have time to go into every article. I'm going to, maybe you'll understand why um, I, I felt the need to take some time before I did this show. All right, first one, again, I'm just reading headlines. Religions around the world introduce robotic priests. Think about that. What's that saying about the future belief systems here? Okay, this one called uh, technology to spot weapons hidden under clothing on trial at a train station. Again, it comes back to the facial recognition level stuff. Uh, scare, uh, let's see. Creepy deepfake Vladimir Putin interviewed live at MIT conference. That's showing how and the, these deepfakes are getting better and better. I just watched a clip from The Shining with Jim Carrey's face. And I first I thought, oh my gosh, is Jim Carrey doing a remake? And then they had it compared shot for shot with Jack Nicholson. There's no way, Jim, as good and talented as Jim Carrey is, no way you can mimic the, the, to the level of detail that he did. What they did was they transposed Jim Carrey's face on Jack Nicholson, and it freaking worked. It was amazing. You couldn't even tell it was a deep fake, other than it was Jim Carrey's face in Jack Nicholson's body. Okay, why why am I sharing that? Can't trust uh, you. Can't trust the news anymore. All right, here we go. Next article: These secret cameras use AI to catch drivers using mobile phones. So they now have tech out there that's watching you, and it's going to take pictures and video of you to see if you're using your phone while you're driving. There's a major impact coming to policing in, in the world and in the United States. And cameras are everywhere. They're going to catch you doing every little thing. So what's that doing? It's going to compile enough data basically to cripple you, to demonize you, to criminalize you if you're not acting like a perfectly good little citizen. Everybody breaks the rules from now on again, right? You may have, what if you have an emergency that comes up on your phone while you're driving and you take a quick glance at that text message and the camera happens to catch it? Well, now they got dirt on you, okay? Things that don't need to necessarily be, I'm not saying you should text and drive, but I think that they're really building a crazy case here. All right, what else do we have here? Uh, this is again Facebook to buy startup controlling computers I already talked about that one um, this is a good one professor warns social credit to shift law from constitution to analytics algorithm that's coming from Infowars and again it's the stuff that I've talked about we are moving away from the, the constitution and law because well we're going to use the algorithm so technically the algorithm is not breaking the law because it's private corporations not the government that are blacklisting you all right. Uh, AI equal with human experts in medical diagnosis, a study finds. Um, and then we have Amazon extends Alexa's reach into wearables. So you can now talk to Alexa in things that you're wearing. Uh, Silicon Valley goes to the Vatican to talk tech ethics. That's an interesting thing. Tie that into your robot priest. Put two and two together. Smart cities are creating a mass surveillance nightmare. That's from the Daily Beast. UPS gets FAA nod for widespread drone deliveries. Now, what impact is that going to have? Again, you've got these drones being delivered. You're going to have mass robots flying all over the place, which will pave the way for weaponizing these robots. It will also eliminate so many delivery jobs. Okay, so you're going to have these automated robots running everywhere. Again, what if it's humans that aren't behind this tech? 
Just saying. All right, and then we've got... Uh, I covered that one. Okay. I have some of the other links that I wanted to share with you, what I'm looking at here, um, that I already covered. I just wanted to make sure I got through the list of all of those things just to tie in all this piece, and I feel like I needed to kind of get all that out before I can move on and do another type of show. Um, the future, the future's changing, my friends. The future's here, and we need to be prepared for it, and I really don't want to scare you. I don't want to do doom and gloom. And I don't think it has to be doom and gloom. I think if we set healthy boundaries, because I also right now don't know how we can avoid interacting with the system. If, you, if we want to thrive, if we want to enjoy life right now, I think our best bet is to find a way to incorporate the system by still maintaining yourself. And how do you do that? You need to go within. You need to remember who you really are and connect with yourself. Meditate, 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 exercise, work out, go have fun, unplug. I took all my social media off of my phone. I took all alerts, with the exception of a text message, off of my phone. So in order for me to check my social media, I have to sit down at my computer and go online and do it. And I do that maybe once a day, and now I'm finding I'm not even checking that stuff every day anymore because I needed to unplug. Because why? Because Elon Musk said we're already cyborgs with these phones. They're telling you what to think. If you're mindlessly scrolling and the algorithms are feeding you what the algorithms thinks you need to see, that's, that's influencing your thought patterns. So I've completely disconnected from that stuff, and I have to say my thoughts are clearer after the last month or two of trying this. Okay, My email. I can only check my email when I actually physically open it up. It's not getting, you know, I'm not getting these constant alerts coming onto my phone. Um, go have fun. Find a way to disconnect, but still have your digital ID and your engagement with the system, but it reminds you of, of who you are and what else is going on in life. Don't be that person that's out at a social function and you're buried in your phone. I've been that person. Otherwise, why fight it? If you're not taking advantage of this beautiful opportunity we have here, despite the scary stuff, do not forget all the wonderful experiences are, that are still to be had. I don't know how long we'll be able to have those experiences, but for right now, you've got a free pass to go have one. Make a plan. Go do something before it's too late. And from, remember why life is worth living. And remember who you really are. All right, my friends, that's all the time I have. I'm going to close out this show. I want to thank you for sticking with me. And my apologies for being missing in action for the last couple of weeks. I hope you understand. Feel free to reach out to me through email, uh, you know, through sixcentsmedia.net on the contact tab. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, any feedback that you have. Have you been through this? Do you feel the need to unplug sometimes? How do you process it? Uh, and what are your thoughts on everything else that's going on? If you think I'm nuts, if you think I'm missing the mark here, let me know. If you think I'm sane and right on the money, please let me know too. I could use that uh, confidence boost. And, uh, and that's going to be a wrap. If you haven't done so already, uh, check out the crypto viewing team, cryptoviewing.com, patreon.com slash crypto viewing. Don't forget to check out the work of Ray Davis, which you can also find at sixcentsmedia.net with his daily affirmations, his book, Anunnaki Awakening as well. Uh, and lastly, please, I am human food for the archons, humanity's psychic connection uh, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. That's my newest project, which I haven't even had time to promote since I launched the book. So any help I can get from you would be greatly appreciated. So that's it, my friends. I'm out of time. Uh, I'd like to thank you so much for listening and continuing to stick with me. Um, I'm going to do my best to bring you analysis and information as we continue to go through this transition 
We don't have to be afraid. We just need to be informed. And I think we can make better decisions and hopefully we can do it together through the sharing of information. Oh, one more plug that I need to absolutely give. David Dubine, Adapt 2030. Uh, I didn't even talk about climate change on this show. I have to do it on another show. I'm gonna try to get a release of my interview with him. I spoke with him on the crypto viewing site. Um, Quick teaser, yes, I'm gonna use a scary teaser to get you interested in it, but he's been tracking this climate change, looking, looking at the grand solar minimum and a big focus on food shortages. And what he told me during that discussion was that we are going to start actually noticing and being made aware of the food shortage crisis within a year, which is going to drastically impact food prices, which will impact our economy, which will impact our way of life. But David Dubine is amazing with the, the research he does, the links he has, and the hope he spreads. He's saying, look, we've got time. There's things you can do to prepare, which is the theme of all of this stuff. There's things you can do to prepare. So he has not only the scary stuff, but he has solutions. So look him up, David Dubine, Adapt 2030. You look for Adapt 2030, you can find his stuff. The man is a wealth of knowledge. He's got a, a book out there and it's an ebook. And the book has links throughout, so it backs up everything he says with his research so you can do the work yourself and not just believe what he's saying, but you can know it by doing the research. Change is coming, my friends. Again, uh, be informed, be prepared. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind and let your intuition be your guide. Thanks for listening.